G'day, it's Gus Warland here. Thanks for downloading the uh, Dead Set Legends podcast. We really appreciate it. And if you haven't downloaded the Listener app, we can find so many other really cool podcasts. Please do that. And please tell all your friends about it as well. And just hit that subscribe button underneath. The show is all about entertainment, all about sport. It's myself hosting it with Jude Bolton, who's a two-time AFL Premiership winner, and also Wendell Saylor, a dual international and a guy that is not short on confidence. Lots of fun. And talking about Wendell, where are you this week, brother? Oh, mate, you know what it's like, mate. Uh, last weekend, I, I was entertaining our SCA clients. So, you know, they came from Melbourne. This was before the lockdown happened. So we had a good couple of days. Um, uh, Meg's there from Triple M SCA did a really good job. So had to come to the Hunter Valley. Had to take them to some wine tours and obviously nights out. And then had to call the game last week, Newcastle the Warriors. So, yes, I know what you're saying. Dell, you're going over and above for SEA. Oh, no, I don't think that's what we were thinking at all. How did your golf go, brother? Did you play all right? Um, no, my golf wasn't that good. Oh. Um, which, you know, which... Which look, you know, that's that's the way it is. Um, I wasn't really in a golf mode. I was more uh, sort of in a hosting role because I knew I had a bit of a holiday coming up. Hokey dokey. What he's, about you, Jude? He's, he's the videographer, our guy, yeah. Adele. He just yeah, loves, yeah, loves yeah. his Insta stories. That's he all he does. It. What about but, you, brother? But I did, but, yeah, I did win the skins, but so yeah. Uh, very oh, good. well played. Yeah, mate, it's been a good week. A uh, bit, bit random with obviously uh, going into the lockdown in Sydney and stuff like that. I had a COVID test with my daughter as well early week, negative, thankfully. And, uh, um, but you know, there's obviously the football for us in terms of AFL, it's all been shipped out of New South Wales now. So, um, less, uh, less time to focus on the footy and, um, uh, yeah, more with the family, which is great. A couple of weeks ago, it was a complete different one for you, wasn't it? You were doing all the extra games. Yeah, juggling all the games that were coming in into the state. So it shows how quickly it moves. Exactly. 2021's just been like that. And Wendell, you've got to tell us how this Queensland team can turn it around after game one and get it done yeah. at Suncorp tomorrow night. What are, what are the keys for you, mate? Oh, look, I think I think we got dominated through the forwards. If you have a look at that first match in Townsville, I know we got beaten by 50 points, but I think through the middle, that's where we beat you guys last year. I know you led the first game 10-0 um, over there in Adelaide, but then our forwards with the young Tino, um, they went through the middle, and that's where that's where you've got to, got to win the battle. And, and our outside five, our outside five got really embarrassed, uh, I think, by uh, New South Wales. The centres, I think I said to you guys, the thing about your team that, 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 feared, that I feared the most, I didn't think I was going to see that scoreline, was I think the centres were gonna were gonna be tough to, to, to hold. Tom Travoyevich is the best player in the game at the moment, and you've got Latrell Mitchell, who's more mature, mm. uh, more rounded, and he picks his moments. He was so hard to handle. Both their centres got a bath. And I, I know Queensland don't usually make excuses, but then I heard a couple of Queensland people come in and say, oh, you know, so-and-so was underdone, you know, Harry Gatt was underdone, Cameron Munster. But I said before the game, when you put on that jersey, you don't make excuses. We came up short. The people of Townsville were disappointed in North Queensland. So Queensland have got to back themselves here because it was quite embarrassing. It's going to be hard because they're going to be scarred, Queensland. And Paul Green's a rookie uh, origin coach. Del, obviously that front row is bolstered, though, with Josh Papalii coming back into the lineup. How much of a, a lift is he going to provide for them? It's going to be a big lift because he only, not only he's, uh, he's an enforcer, but just the way he plays, I think he's motor, and I think they're going to need that because when New South Wales were rolling through the middle on us, we couldn't stop him. Take someone like him to go, bang, I need a big hit to turn that momentum. And I know the Suncorp crowd are going to help, but you've still got to make sure that you, you, you start well, and he's the guy that can get off to a good start. The depth of this New South Wales outfit, if they play, oh, if they play to their ability, I mean, we saw the synergy in game one. Can it be stopped? I mean, you, you look at the, the way Jake Travojevic has gone out and they bring in Angus Crichton. I mean, it's a, it's a fair uh, you know, sub in. And 
and I think I said last week on last week uh, on one of our shows that if I'm Freddie, no disrespect, you'd have to bring in Angus Crichton. He's playing his career best football, so New South Wales is going to be even stronger. I think this New South Wales team. I, I look at them on paper, and I played a side in 1996, New South Wales side. It had Lazarus, um, Stewart, it had Eddinghouse, and it had all these guns, and uh, I think a young, a young Menzies. Um, we got tailed up, and I see similarities to this uh, New South Wales side. I'm not saying Queensland can't beat them, but Queensland going to have to dig deep to beat this New South Wales team because they're not a cocky New South Wales team. You know what it is? They, they just look like they enjoy each other's company. Josh Adokar, Jerome Luai, Freddie's... Uh, brought a sense of just fun to this. There's no pressure on New South Wales at the moment, and that's what worries me. We're going to talk about no footy Friday, uh, no footy Thursdays, uh, no footy... The AFL was hot. Well, yeah. And was that a decent game Thursday night? Thursday night was I think great. Lions no, gave it to Lions someone. Lions stitched up uh, Geelong, who are a massive contender, so they looked fantastic. And then last night, Richmond got beaten by St Kilda. So Did Richmond score 22 points in the entire match? They were embarrassing. And wow. If they, if they play like that, if they serve that up, they, they're going nowhere at the moment. But well, um, yeah, they could be out of the eight by the end of the weekend. Exactly. Everyone says they're going to be. So we're talking about sort of perhaps putting on a sporting doco. And I just want you guys to sort of tell me what your favourite docos are. Let me start the ball rolling. This one is my favourite. You're going to learn to be true dodgeballers. <laughs> then you've got to learn the five Ds of dodgeball. <laughs> dodge, duck, dip, dive and dodge. If you master the five Ds, no amount of balls on earth can hit you. That's not a doco. That's not a <laughs> Look, doco, mate. As an, you as embarrassed a, yourself. Excuse me. I'm an Australian representative. I've represented oh, Australia in dodgeball. It it? So you, ba- could, you could talk about your, <laughs> your career. <laughs> you? mate, I'm seeing straight through yeah. this. It's embarrassing. No, that's, that's What's yours, right. Jim? Hang on. I'm going <laughs> head and shoulders, and it's a true documentary. It's right. head and shoulders, the greatest uh, sports documentary and, you know, arguably one of the most iconic moments was when Seattle Supersonics uh, star oh, Gary yeah. Payton, the glove, yep. was talking about how well he guarded Michael Jordan in the 96 finals, The Last Dance. I don't know if the outcome would have been different, but it, it, it was a difference <laughs> and, and beating him down a little bit. The glove. I had no problem with the glove. This just showed. This just <laughs> showed so his arrogance and confidence, and just was it how, arrogance or was it confidence? Because he did it for so long. What, was, what do you think? It was a he, bit of both. A bit of both. It's a mixture but, of both. But yeah. I, I just loved getting, seeing inside the the dressing rooms and the you know the dynamic of having Rodman yeah. and Pippen and Rodman leaving in the middle of a final series to go to Vegas and you know, do a, he went to head. WrestleMania for a little bit and you know yeah. just the chaos. But the way then Phil Jackson to bring it. it it is heads and shoulders above any better, other sports. Better than dodgeball. <laughs> what about oh, you, Dill? What's the number one for you, brother? Oh, oh mate, there's so many. I, I love my sports. And um, I think for me, it was a person who changed the way that athletes carried themselves. He was articulate. Uh, he was obviously very naturally gifted. And it was this man here. For this fight, I murdered a rock, injured a stone, hospitalized a brick. I'm so mean, I make medicine sick. <laughs> And the sad thing about him, like he changed the sport, uh, not just only in the boxing ring, but just the way he articulated himself, the people that he could sort of, um, you know, he talked to, you know, the hosts and that and make them, you know, that melt, melt around him. And then he, he was such a good looking, charismatic person, which I like, but he was himself. But it was just sad at the end, the way that he probably fought when he probably shouldn't have fought, mm. but he still stepped into the ring. And I just didn't like the way that Ali um, ended his career, but I just love him and he changed it.
It's like sort of, it's like how Wendell sort of made a modelled himself on someone. Do you think that, Jude? Oh, there's oh, elements no. of that. There's, I mean, there's, yeah. only, there's only one Wendell sale. <laughs> Darren in Blackstone. G'day, Darren. Hey, boys. How are you? Good, Very Darren. well. What's Good the best for you? Uh, one I've seen, Cristiano Ronaldo, soccer. Oh, yeah. Amazing. Have yeah. you guys seen that one? I haven't seen Played that. for no. the Reds, Man United. I think it's fantastic. Yeah, he's one of the greatest of all time, and the, you get the real behind-your-scenes sort of stuff. And, you know, he could have played for the Wallabies, uh, for the Socceroos. Oh, yeah, oh, His family, his family <laughs> well, he could, probably could have played for the Wallabies too. But his family arrived in, um, in Perth. Wow. Yes. So he could have been born there. So how good would that have been yeah. to have him playing for us? So good. Let's go to Ben in Belrose. G'day, Ben. Yeah. G'day, guys. Look, I reckon the Eddie Eagle doco with Hugh Jacko Jack that is hard to beat. <laughs> it's about an underdog. He doesn't just dream. He trains his backside off. He hurts himself. He's told he can't jump three feet. He's going to jump 30 feet. He ends up jumping just shy of 70 metres off a jump at, I think it was at Albertville. Okay, Ben. I think I think you must be taking the mickey a bit like I was with the old uh, dodgeball, brother. <laughs> It's true. Cool though. Runnings is also a great. <laughs> it is a true story. But I don't. I don't oh, think. Man, man. I don't think Eddie the Eagle and Jacko's um, movie was exactly the truth necessarily. <laughs> Taron Egerton, wasn't it? Yeah, he was absolutely brilliant. But uh, thank you, Ben. What about Mark in Taramata? G'day, Mark. Um, I think Good Doco, Blades of Glory. Honestly, he put figure skating on the map <laughs> and came there exactly eight times with a special comb. <laughs> Thank you, Mark. And when it comes to legends, especially in boxing, but Australian sport in general, not many bigger than this man. Our next guest will go down in history as one of the greatest Australians ever. He's the sort of guy that lets his fists do the talking and they have a lot to say. And very light on his feet, dancing around. Three world titles in three weight divisions, inducted into the Hall of Fame and got legend status in 2013. Right hand by Jeff He's also in the Australian Sports Hall of Fame and holds a win-loss record of 29-3 and three and one totally BS draw against Azuma Nelson in Vegas. We have a split decision... Rigged, please welcome dead set legend, the Marrickville Mauler. He loves you all, Jeff Fennick. Yeah, he is an absolute legend, and what a privilege for us to have him on the line on our show this morning. Jeff Fennick, welcome to the Dead Set Legends. Yeah, thanks, guys. It's a privilege for me as well. Thank you very much. Good on you, mate. Now, before we get into, into your background and everything that you did, it's it seems at the moment that boxing, the last month or so, so many wonderful fights, so many big crowds, lots of people watching it. There's a bit of a renaissance. Yeah, well, I'm just up at Joe's Gym at Five Dock in uh, here. Yeah, the gym was packed this morning, and um, you know, a lot of people um, getting back into the sport of boxing. Obviously, um, you know, when the boxing's on on the news and on TV, people participate, and it's really good. Yeah, Paul Gallon's a, a huge uh, thank you for him for um, you know uh, doing what he's done for our sport, and yeah, now we've got young Justice Hooney, we've got Brocky Jarvis, we've got a lot of them. Um, Good up and comers, so um, it's you know, boxing in, the, in in a strong place at the moment. Jeff, it's Jude Bolden. Uh, I mean, we just obviously had the the Hooney Gallon fight, and and Hooney's come away with that broken hand. Can you step us through, I guess, for a boxer when you break something so critical as your hand? What is the the comeback and the time frame that you need to come come back from an injury like that? Yeah, well, first of all, I, I, I I'm really surprised that if if he injured his hand early, like they were saying that he did, they let him fight uh, to risk. Yeah, representing Australia at the Olympics, I think it's a huge mistake mm. by them. I, you know, I mean, I, well, like I said, if, if his priority was to try to win a gold medal, that should have been it. Yeah, he shouldn't have been able to uh, to, to 
to fight again after the, the, the fight that he hurt his hand in. But um, look, um, I've, I had broken hands my whole career and got injections every fight and right. other things. That, um, but like I said, um, it, it's, a, it's a tough road back. I had seven operations. I've had pins put in both of them, wedges cut out to try to close my fist. So, yeah, I understand, obviously, what, he, what he's going through. But like I said, I, I really don't understand... Um, I mean, obviously, it's money, but I mean, uh, Olympic gold would be the, the greatest thing that ever happened because no boxer in Australia has ever done that. And um, I don't know why they, I don't know why they prioritise them. You know, <laughs> fighting Paul Gallon or anybody else prior to getting a gold medal or trying to win one. I'm, I know they've been saying there was no boxing and no sparring, but yeah, with money you can, you can do any of that stuff. You can bring somebody over and keep me here for a few months and, and do what you need to do. So pretty for me, it's um, I mean, for somebody who with so much skill and it obviously was a medal chance, it's, it's disappointing me being an mm. Aussie. Been to the Olympics before. I think that he should have concentrated on that and, and forget about you know fighting Paul Gallon or anybody else at that time. You know. Yeah, Jeffrey, that's it's Wendell Saley, mate. How you going, buddy? Yeah, How are you, brother? Hey, mate. Good mate. So, would you put that down to his management, or you know, obviously, you know, Dean Lonigan does a very good job for him. What they could have done that fight after the Olympics for sure, couldn't they? Oh, listen, and it's not Dean Nottingham's fault. Yeah. Dean's a promoter trying to make money. It's, yeah. it's his father yes. and he, it's his team's fault. I mean, okay. hey, this is your promoter. You want to make money? I mean. Uh, <laughs> Dean don't give a, there's no disrespect to Dean, but Dean don't give a rat's ass if he wins a, he's a, a gold medal. He yes. want, he's, he's making money at the moment, and he was just trying to, you know, f- f- facilitate what he was what he was doing at the moment. But like I said, um, the people who um, you know, are accountable are, are the people that are in his corner, the people who are supposed to um, want him to win the gold medal. That's, 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 that's his team. And for me, it's, it's disappointing, like I said, because um, I honestly believe that he was a gold medal chance. He's a big, skillful guy with such speed and stuff. I've watched him. Um, in, in a few of his amateur bouts, and like I said, yeah. I think that he was he was, he, he was maturing and just uh, ready to, to go over there and you know obviously win a medal. This kid's got a huge future, and um, um, he's he's gonna you know he's gonna come back from the broken hands uh, to be a better professional. But like I said, um, he has um, missed a golden opportunity to be the first ever Aussie to win a gold medal in boxing, which would have been massive. Mm. Yeah, let me say, yeah, it's, it's refreshing that the way that you talk, I, I do functions with you and I, you talk about these young boxers, but even young Tim Zhu, it, it's so hard to have a dad that's done what he's done, but he's just cutting his own niche in the game. It's unbelievable. Yeah, well, the, the, the great thing about Tim, like he's, he's not a talker, he lets his fist do the talking. Everybody else talks about him because obviously they, you know, the, he's the, he's the, uh, the son of, of one of the greatest fighters ever and um, which is hard, but um, I think he's handled it better than anybody I know. And I think that the greatest thing that Tim has on his side, Wendell, is um, he's got an amazing mindset. He's a great thinker. Um, yeah, so he, he doesn't try to be anybody else but Tim Zhu. And I think uh, he's, he's an amazing, skillful guy. And Matty Rose has done a great job with him. And uh, like I said, um, you know, um, he's fighting Michael Zarafa um, in, in, in a week or so. And um, I think that he's going to totally school Michael. I mean, I'm a great friend of Michael's and a fan of his. But I think that um, Michael and all these guys don't realise the, you know, the extra... The extra pressure that um, Tim puts on them when they fight these guys overseas is, you know, maybe 20, 30 punches around. Tim Zhu's, you know, up in the 100 mark. So it's a huge difference when you step in the ring. Hey, Jeff, just before we let you know, because we know how much, how busy you are, just talking about UFC and how much we all love that as well. The UFC and boxing, they should be working together, aren't they? If one loves one, you tend to love the other. The fact that we've just got sort of the guys and the girls in there beating each other up and really showing a lot of ticker is sort of working for both codes, if you like. It's, look, I mean, we work together because um, obviously the UFC guys like to learn the box as well as they can kick and everything else. But um, like I said, I think I think it's, it's a battle out there. And uh, I mean, mm. I think the battle is good for the sport. I mean, um, mm. boxing trying to, to stay in front and then UFC tries to stay in front. And look, today there's too much talk. There's too, um, money's great. There's, there's too much money for these guys when they've done nothing. And um, it's, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's weakened our sport. It's weakened the sport of boxing.
I remember you gave me a stare down at a at a card match for Save Our Sons, Jeff, about five years ago. It was just me and Jeff left, and he stared me down, and I just you gave my cards up, mate. You I would have wet yourself. Oh. You would have wet yourself. <laughs> now, one of the biggest sporting moments of the week, guys, guys, was Carl Nassif. He was the first active NFL player to come out and say that he was gay. Here's the audio from when he said that. What's up, people? I'm Carl Nassif. I'm at my house here in Westchester, Pennsylvania. I just want to take a quick moment to say that I'm gay. I've been meaning to do this for a while now, but I finally feel comfortable enough to get it off my chest. I really have the best life. I got the best family, friends, and job a guy could ask for. I'm a pretty private person, so I hope you guys know that I'm really not doing this for attention. I just think that representation and visibility are so important. I actually hope that like one day videos like this and the whole coming out process are just not necessary. But until then, you know, I'm going to do my best and do my part to cultivate a culture that's accepting, that's compassionate, to see what the future holds. Yeah, I think that's wonderful, and I think fair play to him and tip our lid to him. Uh, brilliant. Amazing story, and I think, like, as he mentioned, just the fact that hopefully he's created a safe space that others feel, you know, encouraged to come out at, at, at you know, their, their right time as well. And, you know, I, I think uh, that it's not in a future state a big story. It should be just normal and, you know, yeah. love who you want to love and that sort of stuff. And we're all accepting. I think it's just such a big statement. And, and I guess looking closer to home, I mean, you know, the likes of, say, Ian Roberts. When, For know, me, that's exactly right. He, he spoke think, about you know, being the change and, and you know, he, he went through it all, didn't he, Del? I was lucky enough to go on a tour with Ian Roberts. I was a young kid, like I was 20. There was many young Steve Menzies. And Ian Roberts was an absolute beast, you know, the way that he played, the way he carried himself, did what he wanted to do. And I think he came out a couple of years later. And what I love, people say, oh, rugby league is, you know, the toughest and the most courageous sport. I think what he, what Ian Roberts did back in 1995 and 96, that's courageous. And 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 I've been to the Mardi Gras a couple of times and stuff, and I've been on the floats with uh, Robbo, and I'm not going to lie, I do like it. It's a great vibe. And that's why I encourage people to come out if, if you go. Like, it's it shouldn't be a conversation now. Between racism and obviously, you know, that, like, it's 2021. Let's be able to love ourselves and be who we want to be. Talking about legends, boys, there's no one quite big as this man. Gordon Tallis joins us on the line to talk all things State of Origin too. Gordy, welcome to the Dead Set Legends. G'day, guys. Always a pleasure. Mate, uh, it's a Sunday Origin, so a little bit different. Everyone's a little yep. bit whacked out with no NRL coming <laughs> into it as well. But the girls' match last night, let's start there. Did you watch it? And yeah. how robbed yeah. were the Blues with that ridiculous oh. decision at the end? Mate, I was so disappointed, Gus. I was so disappointed I grabbed another beer just to celebrate again for you guys. Wow. Well, mate, you wouldn't believe. But you know what? The girls' game has come along, you know, obviously uh, defensively it has. Um, they're still working on their attack. But if you – look, I've watched a lot of games and there was girls like Steph Hancock that played, you know, for the women's team in Queensland for a long time and Ali Brigantrue and all these girls and you'd go watch them play, you know, to empty stadiums. But now to watch the girls play to – like a packed out stadium just proves, you know, how far um, um, our game has come along, you know. And now the Gold Coast Titans have got a side in there. And I think um, who uh, the Knights, I think, has joined in the Parramatta Eels. So, yeah, that's where our game's at. And, uh, you know, I think we should be proud of it. Yeah, the biggest growth hey. in AFL, the biggest growth in cricket, yes. all in the, in the girls and the women's game, which is brilliant. Yeah, it's grown over the years and they should be proud of the product that they're putting out there. Gordy, if we swing your eyes to, obviously, Game 2 for Origin, you know, Paul Green's had to make some changes. He's thrown, obviously, yep. Reese Walsh in there. How's, yep. <laughs> how's he going to contend against this New uh, South Wales outfit, and particularly when Nathan Cleary's going to be kicking and testing him out with some bombs? Yeah. Dude, 
the guy beside you can probably talk to you. Um, in the break, I played in my first state of origin when I was 20. Yep. And after sitting in there and Alan Langer starts spewing a minute before we run on, <laughs> after having the greatest week and he's our best player, and I'm thinking, well, what are we what are we going into? Because it was the old-fashioned <laughs> 10 days in camp, Mel Meninga. I was seven when he played his first game. He's the coach. Wally Lewis is the captain. I'm like, mate, I'm in heaven. Like, I'm in oh, rugby yeah. league heaven. And then your best player starts spewing. I'm thinking, wow. So as a 20-year-old, I wasn't ready for it. And my last yeah. game when I was 30, there was more pressure on me then because I felt like I had to lead the state. So I believe there's more pressure on Daly Cherry Evans on Sunday night. Yeah. There's more pressure on Josh Papali'i on Sunday night than there is on our young guy. And uh, and then we're going to talk about it. And Ben, I can uh, was there. And all those guys, you know, and there's the Brad Fittlers and there's a, like all those guys that that had played State of Origin, you know, with less than 20 games of NRL experience, all went on to have great NRL careers. Um, he's a great young talent. Uh, has he got the jersey too early? Um, time will tell, but I guarantee he's going to wear it a lot more than, you know, than just this one year and one game. Uh, look, I think he's a very talented player, Reese Walsh. I would like to see him in the squad, like, you know, number 20, 20, 19 or 20, yeah. just to have a taste of it. Yeah. And, but this is a lot of pressure for a kid. Uh, look, I'm with you, Gordy. Yeah. Like, you just don't know till you get out there, but I just think, like, this kid, he's playing a Wendell, 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 you live in New South Wales. Don't listen to him. Don't listen to him, mate. <laughs> no, no, I'm not just There's saying no that. There's no Carlin there. There's no AJ Brimson, you know. <laughs> Vel Holmes yeah, yeah. in game one, I think he's a better winger. Like, And that's no disrespect to Vel. I think he's better suited for us on the wing. So get someone in there um, that's got a bit of attacking flair. And do you know what happens with young guys, Del? And we're all that young guy one day. Our senior players protect us. Our senior yeah. players lead the way, and we just follow. But that's what I mean. If we're going to win, win this Origin match, it's going to be hard to turn around. It's got to be through our forward pack. Our forward pack yes. got dominated. I've never seen yes. Fafita get dominated. When we won Origin, it was on the back of guys like Webkey, you know, Talis, these guys, and it's just going to be so different with Harry Grant. I've got no doubt we can win at Suncorp, but he's going to take a big effort to turn around because I think yeah, we're yeah. a little bit scarred from that first match. I, 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 I think we've got to boil it all down and go back to man on man, and I know that's an old cliche, but you got to outplay. you got to win every little battle. Yeah. So, you know, for us, every time you get yeah. the ball, you've got to win the collision. Every time you're making a tackle, and break it down to that. I don't think Origin has ever been about tactics. I don't think it's ever been about talent. For Queensland, it's been about how hard we've worked, how much we've wanted it, and we've always wanted it more. We've never had the... Mate, we've never had the best sides. Like, mate, when I played against New South Wales, Andrew Johns was on the bench. He wore number 14. He's an immortal. Yeah. That's how good they were. But we just went out there and we competed on every play, on kick chase. And that's what we got to do, Del. I don't think it's about tactics. I think we got showing up in game one. New South Wales were sublime. They were absolutely outstanding. Tommy and Tedesco and Luttrell, oh, yeah. those three were unbelievable. But let's just limit their time at the football limit and just make them come off their own try line. Yeah, turn them in the front rowers for the game. It's going to be an absolute cracker, Gordian. Thanks so much for joining us, mate, on the Dead Set Legend. Look forward to uh, hearing all your stuff over the next few days. And, of course... Got you for life, Gussie. I've got you for life. <laughs> Thanks, Gordy. I appreciate <laughs> it. Jude, we love your stories. Last time you spoke about one of your trips to Vegas, it went literally worldwide. So this is one when you weren't in Vegas, but you were in... Kosamui. Kosamui, okay. Over yeah. to you, Big Philly. Story time with Jude Bolton. Oh, please. No, I, I think um, certainly I look back with fond memories of some of the trips we, we took away with the boys. And this one was in Kosamui. We I think it was 06 or 2007 and the like. And, you know, we, we took about the best part of 15 to 20 guys to Thailand. It was a lot of fun. And at the same time, you know, 
footy trips are flying in from everywhere and North Melbourne, the, the, the kangaroos were also there and they, they take 40 blokes across. So it's a, it's a big contingency in Koh Samui back in the time when we could travel, of course. Yeah. Anyway, and, uh, we, we end up at this beach party and, and it was, you know, right on the beach and there's this huge, uh, background and, um, you know, there's, there's opportunity to, to go and party on the beach and things like that. And, you know, 2006, you've got all the music from back in the day and things like that, the beach parties and things like that. And we're, we're sort of getting there and it ends up being a torrential downpour. Like we're, we're talking, you know, cyclonic sort of conditions and everyone in this whole beach party has gone back up into the bar on the beach. Of course, all the footballers are stuck out on the, on the sand in, in the pouring rain. Now there's all of these deck chairs, these deck deck chairs, and they're, they're laid out and someone's gone. If we just set these up across, they're wooden deck chairs with a little plastic sort of thing. If we set these up, we can make a slippery slide all the way down to the beach. Now in, in Thailand, you can get all the paraphernalia on the beach, whether it's, you know, um, buckets of energy, vodka, energy drinks and things like that, but you can buy fireworks. You can buy- Really? Fireworks? Oh, of course. Yeah. Okay. You can buy, you can buy these, uh, uh, rubber, uh, you know, masks. Face masks. Face masks of all the controversial characters, ex-presidents and things like that. And one young guy- and I reckon he would have won best. When on you say show. controversial characters, are they, are you, like, oh. can you say the name of the of the mass that the controversial like or is it Osama bin Laden? Oh, and things wow. like that. It was really, really ordinary sort of you know things he could buy. Anyway, yeah, yeah. One young guy, he was only a rookie list player at that time. He went on to play for Carlton's and killed a Sam Rowe. He was just a great fella. Anyway, he's on there, and he's bought one of these masks. And he by that stage we're all terri- like it's been raining. Shirts are off. He's nude. He's actually oh, nude. Okay. Now, so he goes to go the slow clap back up to the beach. So we're just all the players drinking on the beach and the whole place is watching us line this slippery slide up. And we're like, we need more, need more slip. Like, so we've told the, <laughs> the, 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 Thai, the Thai bartenders to go get some uh, foamy water, some soapy oh, water. Yeah, beautiful. And we're throwing these buckets of soapy water and the slippery slide started. So it's going 25, 30 meters down all of these. Into these, the water. Into the water. Beautiful. Anyway, so it gets up to the stage where Sam Rowe gets a chance. Now he does the slow clap. Now he does it with one of these masks on nude and he's doing like a plie. Yeah. And he's just going up and about, just tapping slowly. The whole crowd's going. Like the Viking clap. The Viking clap, exactly. Yeah. So he's taken off all the way down. And just as he gets onto the thing, someone's picked up that same bucket that we use the soapy water full of sand and thrown it onto the slippery slide. It's ripped ripped all of his chest all the way down with the sand and he's just ground to a halt and everyone's roaring laughing on the beach. Anyway, and then, so from there, everyone's laughing. We've all gone back up into into the bar. And we're still drinking away and things like that. Suddenly, Sam is up on the roof of this uh, bar at the, oh. in Thailand. And we're watching him go across. And it's not great construction over there. Let's just be honest. It's <laughs> Health and safety, you've got issues. Yeah, exactly. And he's walking across. And we're trying to work out what he's doing. And there's a pool. He's about to try and jump off into oh, a no. pool. And we're going, don't do that. Don't do it. There's exposed wires. Don't. Like, please, don't. Yeah. And Enough's enough, brother. Just, just get down safely, please. And as he's just stepping across, looking like he was about to jump in the pool, he fell through the roof onto oh. the table of internationals right there, smashing everything. Oh, the tourists. <laughs> the, all the tourists are like, what happened? He's still naked. He was. He's still got the then, mask on. But then we had to bail him out there and then he had, 
uh, cuffs right there and then, 1,600 baht or 16,000 baht, everyone's throwing money from everywhere because they thought it was so funny. Even Brent Harvey, who was on 18 footy trips, goes, I've been on 18 footy trips. (laughs) That's one of the funniest half an hour we've ever seen from one man. That is the Swannies. Good on the Swannies, good on the field and good on tour. Thank you so much to everyone for listening. And, of course, download the Listener app, L-I-S-T-N-R, for all your other wonderful podcasts here with Southern Cross Australia. Looking forward to seeing you live next Saturday at 10 o'clock.